Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the uh, Collective Scope Podcast. We are really excited about our guest today, uh, Matt Brown. Uh, he's an evangelist. He's an author. He's the founder of Think Eternity, and uh, it's dedicated to amplify the message of the gospel through devotionals, through videos, uh, and through different kinds of events. And so, man, we are really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Matt, and uh, welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast. Oh, it's an honor. What a cool podcast. I'm so thrilled to be a part, guys. Thank you. Yeah. So we want to publicly apologize. Matt was scheduled uh, like back in season one, Rob. And because the Lee University Flames soccer team, the girls soccer team was so good, uh, we had to cancel on him because they took all of our studio to the soccer field <laughs> and to record over there. So this is us making amends to Matt yes. having him on the show here in season two. And we're excited to, to talk to him. Matt, your, your handle on Instagram is Evangelist Matt. Um, I grew up in churches where evangelists were those guys who came and preached four or five nights in my church and took an offering and left town. Uh, for you, though, what does is, what is being an evangelist mean? Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's changed over the years uh, in the sense of, like you're saying, you know, going in for a week or two or, you know, a lot of churches don't do as many of those types of things nowadays. Um, but yeah, I just felt a call uh, to ministry when I was uh, pretty young. Uh, came to Christ at an early age, grew up in, in Minnesota and near the Twin Cities here. And um in my late teens, I was at a youth conference where I just really, you know, the, it was like the second day of this youth conference in the cities and the preacher was just, you know, sharing about people who need the Lord and sharing about people who need Christ. And I just felt such a God-given burden at that time. And I mean, I'd had a burden for my friends who needed to know Christ, but um, I just felt like God just dropped this bomb on me there, you know, of just this brokenness. Um, and it was the first time I just, I just, I just cried for people uh, in my school who didn't know the Lord. And it's my senior year of high school. And um, I just felt God just spoke to my heart very clearly there to do evangelism, to be an evangelist. In fact, at that time, um, I mean, I knew I had a ministry call, but I didn't quite know what it was. And I always kind of wondered mm. as I was growing up. Mm. Uh, but I think sometimes God waits uh, to tell us certain things at certain times to make our story more epic, right? For all of us, he's he, he's doing he's he's working out his plan. God's always working out his plan for your life. He's always working for your good. He's always uh, doing good works and good things in your life and for his glory, of course. Um, and so sometimes, you know, a lot of times with the Lord, there's these seasons of waiting. There's these seasons of not knowing, but he's painting a bigger picture. He's doing a bigger thing in our lives. And so for me, I mean, I mean, I could spend a lot of time talking about it, but it's just so crazy that it happened at the church it happened at and that it happened at that moment. And I was leading worship a lot during that time. So I was at that time in my life, I was leading worship like seven times a week. I was thinking maybe I'll go to Bible college and I'll, and I'll study worship. And in fact, don't you guys have this incredible program at Lee University for music and yeah, for worship? I've seen do. some of that stuff go yeah. viral. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, that was, that was, um, what I was thinking and God just very clearly directed me, reach people for Christ that I was called to, to be an evangelist. And he just confirmed that in so many ways. And so, you know, for me, um, I will say though, that my call came before social media actually. So like I went into Bible college after that and, um, 
I uh, I used to brag to my friends that I didn't have a cell phone, which like why do you, why would you brag about that? But that was a different day, <laughs> in a different right. time, and yeah. uh, it was about 19 years ago. And so I like literally um, I didn't even have a, a laptop or a cell phone through college. Um, about halfway through, I should say, uh, college, my wife gave her, her family gave me the, her cell phone and got her a new one for some reason. But but it was like before smartphones, before social media. And then shortly after Bible college, my, one of my older brothers, who's a pastor near Chicago, forced me onto like the first social media network. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I quickly started to see that this can be used for ministry, you know, and just loved it. And so it's kind of been a growing, um, you know, passion since then. But I felt called to really do like crusade type ministry, like outreaches and still do. Um, but I didn't obviously have any anticipation of like online ministry as well. And so, right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just been interesting. So like, I mean, obviously it changes in every generation, uh, but the simple call of an evangelist isn't necessarily just even preach at churches, uh, although that's a part of it, but it's just to reach people for Christ. And and sometimes that can take place in a church, but there's other creative ways that we can do, obviously like different types of events or online ministry nowadays. And our our team loves to call this digital missions. So there's just, there's an opportunity. I was just telling some of our team uh, the last few days that we have reached 152,000 people for Christ with a gospel wow. message, an explicit gospel message. Um, and 10,000 clicked through more than 10,000 with 10,300 clicked through to our landing page in the last 30 days. And we, we don't have a huge budget. So it wasn't like we were, right. thrown, but all over the world, we're reaching people all over the world. Uh, with this message of the gospel uh, through digital missions. And so that's one area how it's changed. And of course, there's other areas nowadays. But um, for me, you know, I, I kind of came in at the, at the late end of that. So I didn't, I didn't have a, many churches saying, hey, can you come in for two weeks? You know, that happened a few times, yeah. like early on in ministry, but more, more often, it's just come preach. And nowadays, it's like, hey, media interviews and podcasts and all of these things. Like I see a podcast, by the way, guys, that, uh, that it's like, I mean, talking to it's like going to preach at a church it's like an amazing opportunity just to share about jesus right right that's good stuff and i think um you know this idea of evangelism and when i got here about a year and a half ago um quickly did an assessment i went to an administrator's retreat i was asked what one of the greatest needs of the university was that i saw as a fresh eyes coming in and I really felt like this whole idea of an evangelism strategy was something that we were grossly missing at a Christian university. I mean, so we're not naive. We understand that not everyone who comes here is A, a Christian, right? And B, even if they did grow up in a Christian home or say that they are Christian, they're not necessarily being discipled. And so this whole idea of evangelism, of digital discipleship is, is something that Jeff and I really started off as the launching pad for this entire podcast, right? For the book that we didn't write yet. For the book that we haven't written because we didn't have any answers or any information at that point. So, so we were, we're kind of in this vein with you in terms of how do we maximize the platforms we have to share the gospel, to invite others into relationship with Jesus, even if that's through uh, a digital evangelism or digital missions kind of platform. So that's really cool. Another thing, uh, this has absolutely nothing to do with the podcast, but I will say this, uh, you Minnesota people are cool. Uh, my wife and I recently <laughs> had a disastrous trip to uh, California. We were heading out to California last week or two weeks ago, and it took us 22 and a half hours. Part of that delay was in Minnesota, and it was by far the highlight of the trip. So 
Awesome thumbs up to you people from Minnesota. Hey. We love you. Whole shout out to the <laughs> yeah, state. Cool shout out to the state of Minnesota. Yeah. It was it was it was, it was the highlight of the trip. They were very That's nice. Awesome. We love the accent. It was amazing. Uh, it was great. But what anyway, a, what, okay. What folks. accent are you talking about right now? What accent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, maybe I'm the one with the accent. Yeah, I think yeah, that's what it is. Say that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, this whole uh, Roaring Twenties fast, yeah. uh, we kind of talked about it a little mm. bit before the show uh, actually started, but uh, this launched from you guys. Uh, it's the first year. You're calling thousands of young adults to, to yeah. spiritual discipline. Yeah. which I think, again, is something that we need to heavily vet, especially in our context. So how's it gone? How are young people sort of longing to search for the for these classic spiritual disciplines in church? What's that been like for you? Yeah, so, so I, as I was kind of mentioning, I've done evangelistic ministry now for 19 years, um, have a nonprofit called Think Eternity and a small team of friends that work together around this. And, you know, I've seen God's hand in amazing ways through our ministry. Like, I mean, I feel like, every initiative that God calls us to do it, hopefully we're seeing like just God do some surprising things, but I've never seen anything like this fast. Um, mm -hmm. And let me, let me rewind for a second. Um, I'm not necessarily a good faster. Um, never have been. Um, this was like more fasting for me than I've done since the beginning of ministry. Um, and the, the background on that is though, that um, it was uh, this last June, uh, we did, a, I, I held a small mentoring day with Louis Giglio and uh, during, you know, great time learning from him and asking questions. And towards the end of that time, he just started kind of riffing with just, I, I think a very prophetic, powerful, you know, uh, challenge and encouragement. And at some point in there said the roaring twenties, I don't know if I caught it, uh, but one of my closest friends, Dr. Malachi O'Brien uh, who I would say is like a modern day, like Tozer, like right. he, he is, he's my age, but he just talks like nobody talks, <laughs> you know, um, he is, he is just a different breed, a different kind of thinker. And, and his, his background uh, is that he was, he's in the Southern Baptist world and he was in uh, seminary 10 years ago and just was so spiritually dry. And mm. his, uh, his marriage was struggling and he was just um, discouraged with what he was doing and seeing in ministry. And he heard about a pastor that was fasting. And so God began to really speak to his heart. And uh, the next day he began a 40 day fast and God just broke through in his life and ministry. And this was before I knew him actually, before we became friends, but this is maybe the path that set him on the path where we would eventually be friends and connect. It changed everything for him. And since then he's done more of those. Um, and so he's the faster. I'm not the faster, you know. Um, yeah. But a few weeks after that, he was on a family vacation. He calls me up in July and he says, I feel like we're supposed to call a million young people to fast and pray as we enter in the roaring 20s. And I was like, I mean, everything he was telling me on that call, I was like, dude, you sound like you've been like on a seven day prayer retreat. You don't sound like you've been on a family right. vacation, but sometimes vacation and getting away allows that too, you know, creativity and just mm -hmm. God to speak to us as well. But I was just like, you were on fire, man. Like what's going on? I mean, he always is right. But it was just crazy. So we were kind of like, well, you know, let's, this is probably the Lord. Cause that's just so powerful. Let's sit on it. Let's think about it. And in the back of my mind, guys, I'm thinking, I mean, I never thought I would be calling or helping call people to fast because that's not my like strength. I would be calling people to share the gospel or, you know, 
talk about Jesus or whatever it might be, but I just was, it was just like a, it's just not something I thought I would do. Well, through the fall, we were, there's a lot of shifts and changes happening in our lives and ministry. And, and we really didn't have like the resources to go like, I mean, how do you, that's a audacious, crazy call, you know? Um, yeah. But we just couldn't get away from the sense we were supposed to do it. So, and um, so we're, we kind of, all right, let's take steps towards this and let's do what we can. So that's, that was kind of the driving force behind everything we did with it as we began to launch out with it in November and December into January was just to do everything we can. We might not be able to do like everything, but let's be faithful as passionately as we can to call people towards this. And so we did a call in November with Jensen Franklin, who you guys may know, uh, mm -hmm, pastor yeah. uh, Free Chapel and has written a book on fasting that I read uh, just before that. And that was, that was just so profoundly powerful. I've read it twice now. I want to read it again here soon. I would highly recommend people read that book. It is a good um, book. I think he I've actually, uh, Matt, I think he has two books on fasting, actually. Yeah. Oh, They're both on my yeah. bookshelf. Yeah. Okay. Um, off the show, I'll send you the second one. Yeah. I'll send you oh, the second. Awesome. It's on my bookshelf. Awesome. That's um, so cool. So it was just so powerful. I mean, there's not a ton of resources out there. And, and throughout this process, I was looking at one of the, I was looking at a big Christian site and that, that is one of the bigger ones out there. And, and there was like nothing on fasting in like the last like six, seven years. You know, I like was searching for articles before this came right. out. Just, just randomly. I don't know why. I was like, man, it's so crazy how we don't have a lot on this, but it's such an important discipline. Obviously, if you read Jensen's book, you'll feel that way as well. Um, and so, yeah, so we just, we started to call towards this and kind of what, just shortly, I'll, I'll try to summarize it. What it led to was establishing state leaders in every state and actually thinking strategically, how do you actually call 1 million young people to do this? And so right. we, we literally gave it everything we had uh, through ads and social media. We called more than 2 million young people targeted to this fast. And then the state leaders basically kind of ran with the vision like I've never seen before. And again, just to see God's hand on it was crazy. And, and I'll just end with this about this, this fast is that uh, you would not think that it would be easy to call people to fast. It would, you'd think it'd be like pulling teeth. And that was not the way it was at all. Jensen says in his book that um, God calls us to fast when he's preparing us for something new. And so I just saw that over and hmm. over again, like thousands upon thousands of people are sending us testimonies and responses and posts and we're like going why is everyone so hungry for this well i think it's because god is yeah. about to do some really powerful things in our generation um and i don't say that lightly um i don't say that just because i'm a minister and i'm positive although i am um yeah. but and i'm optimistic you know i'm full of hope but i am but i just truly there's been nothing i've never seen anything like it and so we're just kind of like i mean we just tried to stay low through the whole thing like this is about jesus yeah. don't make it about no you don't we kept telling people you don't even say our names in this like it's not about us at all because you know god is doing something very sacred through this so it's really cool to see and of course we're just hoping more um you know I, I guess our thought right now is like you know let's just keep keep calling people to fast through it you know over the over yeah. the decade so what what are you what is some of the stories you're hearing matt out of that fast and and i i'm with you i'm, I'm a terrible faster um i make day two and i'm like oh i'm starving you know <laughs> um but but i know it's an incredibly important discipline what what are some of the stories think eternity is caught from those participating in this that have fasted, whether it be one day or a week or 40 days, however long the duration was, what has God done out of some of those, some of those students? Yeah. Well, we've just literally heard 
you know, hundreds and hundreds of testimonies have come through our site um, and through social media and, you know, thousands of people are, in, I think there's 10,000 kind of what we called fast leaders in those groups who are each kind of mobilized to invite their town and their city uh, to the fast. And um, of course, January is a good time too, because a lot of churches fast in January. It's kind of an mm-hmm. email rhythm and I hope more will. I hope more will kind of be stirred by that. Um, again, I, you know, I didn't um, have this vast experience in fasting and I don't do it a ton, but I was so stirred by it. I, I loved it. Um, Jensen's book really stirred me by it. And, um, and honestly, I want to do more like after doing it and kind of catching this. And one thing that Malachi has said is that it takes grace to fast. Like you're not going to fast unless God graces you to do it. Like, yeah, and even right. I mean, it's still going to be a struggle, even if God gives you the grace, but like it's a grace. And so I almost wonder if God's just gracing more people to fast for a breakthrough right now. Um, so like just a, just a random example, like we, so many testimonies, like so many, I need to like, kind of go back and read through and we, we're still mm. getting them coming in by the way so they're, they're still coming awesome. to our site but um but like there was one guy that was like on the facebook group that was like hey you know i really but he was basically like hadn't been living a christian life and he's like i just feel god uh so stirring me to be a better husband to my wife a father to my children and so for him what that meant was he was he was addicted to marijuana and he was like that was part of his fast as i'm giving this up and so it was like, it was like, cool. wow, like the people that are coming in through these doors, like you just would mm-hmm. never expect like, hey, this is leading me to quit drugs, you know, or whatever. So it was just, I mean, there's just been some crazy testimonies. Um, and, and you know, again, some people are like, hey, I'm fasting by myself. I'm fasting by my, my spouse. And, and some people were like, you know, like our church is doing this or whatever. So like, it's, it's just been like, I mean, it's hard to even keep up with the testimonies that are pouring. And I've never yeah. seen anything like it in my life. It's awesome. I think, you know, one of the challenges that we have, and I think, you know, even one of the challenges of being on a, on a university campus, um, one of the challenges in my own personal research is I, as I do my own personal research for, for my doctorate is, is the competing narratives because we have a lot of people on the show who give incredible stories, talk about the amazing things that God is doing like this incredible fast. You thought it'd be hard people come out of nowhere because it's just something that God is doing in the undercurrent of our culture, I think. But the, the, the running narrative seems to be predominantly is the challenge of engaging young adults, Hmm. right? How do we get them in church? Hmm. Uh, Why are we losing them? Where are they? You know, they're selfish or, you know, we could go through all the, the, the descriptors that, that we could think of, but I think the challenge for me, the challenge for Jeff and probably the challenge for you and other people who are engaging young, young adults this, they aren't lining up. The narratives aren't matching. Hmm. And so where, where's, where's the, for you, where's the crossover? Like, where's the overlap? Where is it yeah. working well? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you know, the times of revival, for instance, in the book of Acts, um, in the beginning of the church, like there was this movement of God that was so extraordinary that was happening in the midst of the chaos of culture. And I think that's always how it is that, you know, revival is breaking out in different places and at different times through history, but there's still like, you know, culture falling apart. So culture is always decaying, but God's always moving. Does that make sense? There's streams. Yeah. Um, And, and God's always doing a powerful work, but there's seasons obviously where God works in a very unique and unbelievable way. 
And I don't know if you guys have experienced that in your life, but back when I was in high school, around the time of my call, there was a Catholic evangelist that had come into this small town in Minnesota where, where I went to school that had ministered at the church there and a bunch of the students like accepted faith in Christ in a new way or whatever. And God just started to break out and move among these students. They started a worship night called Monday Night Jam. And that kind of led into kind of slowly becoming this interdenominational worship night, moved to a coffee house, eventually moved into the high school auditorium. And it was like this hour of worship every week. And it, was, it became so powerful that people would drive in for three or four hours for an, for an hour of worship from all over the state and across the region. And I eventually became kind of one of the worship leaders of that. I started with bass. It was kind of like, well, I can kind of play this. And, you know, started <laughs> out kind of being a part of that whole thing. And it was just kind of this student-led thing. It wasn't based out of a church or started with a pastor at that time, although eventually we started to have like little sh short messages at these. Uh, but people were getting saved just in worship. I mean, it was just the craziest thing I've ever seen. And um, we, the, the sense of the presence of God was just so incredible that like, I mean, I just still look back to it. Just, it was just profoundly changed all of our lives, you know? And so there's just, there's times when God moves in unique and different ways. And so like, I would just say of the next generation, yeah, of course. I mean, I think every generation struggles with, as a sure. young person with responsibility and with, and we think different than our parents' generation, our grandparents' mm -hmm. generation, although we love them. And, and so, yeah, there is challenges always with every generation and with the young adults now. We know those challenges. You guys know them better than I do. Um, but I will tell you, like, I would have thought that and I would have said, like, well, we're supposed to call a million people to fast, but we're not going to be able to get 10. <laughs> That's what I would have thought. <laughs> That's what I would have thought. No offense. I mean, again, I'm optimistic. Yeah, right. I, am, no. I am full of faith. You know, I heard a pastor say, uh, in his book recently, uh, Tommy Barnett, if you've heard of him, he, he oh, yeah. released a book just recently and he says, uh, and I, it, it might, it might not even be out yet, but it's coming out soon. And he says, uh, you know, some great lessons in there, some really powerful stuff, but he said, you know, so many people just think the grass is greener on the other side, but he goes, I always just wanted to believe my kids were the best. My wife was the most beautiful. My dog had the loudest bark and even the skunk down our neighborhood was the biggest stinker around you know like you, just, you know yeah so flip flipping it around so like i'm 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 you know i'm optimistic but i still just would have thought like i mean that's such a hard call like how is that gonna how are people gonna respond to that but i'll just tell you guys like i just blown away so like i think that that as much as there's a challenge in the next generation and we obviously hear the reports of like young people leaving the church there's also these amazing things god's doing and i also believe god's gonna do more stuff than we see right now so i think there's stuff yeah, around yeah. the corner which is just revival. It's moves of God. We need to see God break out beyond the church as usual um, in our lives. And we need to see a spiritual breakthrough in our faith so that we can live out the faith that God wants us to have. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. Matt, Matt, you mentioned that, that fasting is, and you quoted Jensen Franklin, usually on the, on the cusp of something new. And I agree. I think there's something new stirring and, and the testimonies coming from what you guys are doing and, and Rob's question um, these parallel narratives that, that what does the church do? What does the local church do? And how do we respond as the local church? Rob and I, though we, we sit on a college campus, are local church guys. I mean, we've yeah. pastored, we've church planted, we've youth pastored. If it can be done in a church, we've probably done it. Probably. Um, how does the local church respond? And what can we do with this sort of hunger under, undercurrent that's happening yeah. And, but there seems to be a disconnect between what they're seeking for God, but not showing up in church. Yeah, totally. 
you know, and all the guys on, on our team, like it's kind of a team of ministers, a bunch of associate evangelists and ministers on our team are all local church guys too. You know, one of them still pastoring a local church, but they're all um, from that world as well, except for me. I'm the, I'm the black sheep here guys, <laughs> um, but um, I've just always kind of just done this one thing, just preach the gospel. I just That's I right. felt so strongly just to stay on the path, even when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I'm just kind of doing this thing. But um, no, I think, I mean, probably what my friend Malachi would say is this call to like, hey, to take your church deeper than kind of the church is normal, to really have more of a highlight in your church on, on prayer together and on fasting. And whether that's an annual, you know, campaign of fasting together, encouragement in the beginning of the year, whatever it might be. Um, and, then, and then to pray, you know, and have prayer meetings, because like, we can't forget about that stuff in this generation. Like, Let's go after God. Let's go after more of God. There's more of God than so many of us know right now. There's more of God yeah. than we have right now, you know. And it, I just think of maybe an example would be I mentioned uh, Tozer earlier. That's A.W. Tozer, the author who um, was a minister. And one night on a train ride where he pastored from Illinois down to Texas, where he was going to preach, he stayed up all night and he and he was kneeling on his knees and wrote an entire book on this overnight train ride that is called The Pursuit of God. And the idea of the pursuit of God was just this idea that you're satisfied in God. When you come to faith in Christ, you, you are satisfied like you've never been in your life before. Like you'll right. never find anything like it. That's the message of the gospel. But you're also like, there's this seed that's dropped in you too, though, of that you're never, like you always want more of God. So it's mm -hmm. like, I'm satisfied like I've never been, but I'm so hungry for more. And that is such an important seed in the life of every believer in every church that we say, God, we want more of you. We want to grow in the knowledge of you, of your word. And we want to pursue this thing to really live it out, to really walk out what it means to be your body and to be the church. And so I think part of that is, is having these times of prayer meeting still and having these times of fasting still is just so essential. And so, um, you know, I want to tell you guys one more story. I was, um, I, I got connected with this guy recently. Have you heard of Iron Bell Worship? No. For years I've listened to this Iron Bell Worship. I don't even know how I came across him. So anointed, so good. And uh, he's now kind of doing his own stuff. Now you guys should have him on, by the way, and, and have him come, come play at the school. But his name is Stephen McWhorter. And um, Stephen, um, I called him up because I'm speaking at something coming up for uh, kind of a, a, new thing, a new project with my friend Lee Strobel. And um, so I called him up for something about that, um, was able to get in touch with him, kind of build this friendship after I've listened to his music for years, you know, and just loved him. And I was just so glad to connect with him. And he goes, dude, do you know my story? I'm like, I don't know your story. He's, he was thinking that's why I called him. And he goes, he goes, I used to be a meth addict. And at three in the morning one night, I was reading The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Yeah. And I wow. radically saved. And I tell, I'm telling all that story just to say, to lead up to this, that now he's traveling across the nation and he's leading worship, but he's also ministering and he's now begun to just kind of share his testimony at these places and allow mm -hmm. people to respond to the gospel. And he was just telling me yesterday on the phone, we were chatting. I just wanted to hear more about like, you know, some of his history and just the, the what he's seen God do and some of those things. And he said, Matt, I can't even keep, like I, we can't even keep up when we're sharing the gospel. So many people are coming to Christ at these churches across the nation right now that they don't even fully know how to do the discipleship and follow up because there's so many people. So like the influx of souls is so great. 
And so I'm like, I'm like, like thinking with them, like, how do we train churches to equip people to do discipleship? Cause, cause they're seeing such a move of God. So all that to say, again, God is doing some amazing things in different churches. If you're not seeing it yet, keep pressing in um, because I believe God has more for you. And if you are seeing it, you know, I just, I think that a lot of us are starting to see some more stuff happen. Like that was just one of those encouraging yeah. testimonies that kind of fit alongside of this fast yeah. one. Like this is the kind of stuff we pray for. Like you can't even keep up with the people coming to Christ. Like we got to like start training more in discipleship. This is awesome. You know, it's so all that to say, hopefully that's an encouraging encouragement in the middle of all these things we're talking about. No, it, it it is an encouragement. And I think for me, what I'm beginning to realize, especially now that I'm in a specific college ministry context, is that it always comes back to the fundamental, simple disciplines of developing spirituality and faith in Christ, right? So I think part of the challenge is there's a stripping away of the unnecessary, which is great. That's, that's sort of an exilic sort of, uh, you know, trait that happens, I think, in, in the church, but um, we're here, and I think one of the big challenges that we have is is culture, you know, that we've talked about a little bit, often wants to separate truth from love. The mm-hmm. gospel is truth and love yes. intertwined simultaneously, right? So, mm-hmm. so that that's the one of the big challenges that that we have in the in the world that we live. So, yeah. in this in the book, Truth Plus Love, right? You present um, what most people see is attention, right? This is this is yeah. kind of the the argument that that we that we're up against a lot of times with truth and love, and so. Um, it's really a delicate balance of both. So how do we live out truth and love simultaneously in the culture context in which we currently exist? Yeah, totally. Thanks for asking. And, you know, this, this has just been such a passion on my heart. You know, most of the time when you write a book, um, most authors take about two years uh, to write. And, um, you know, this, is, this, this had really been kind of a burden on my heart for about five years before I was uh, releasing it. And it was just just this journey I've been on at 19 years of ministry, having been raised in the church. You know, I would say early in ministry, I somehow got the mistaken idea, and I don't know that I would blame anyone really, but just that to be passionate for God, to really to grow in Christ looked like how radical we were um, or how much we do like aesthetic disciplines. Um, But kind of this journey that I've been on is realizing, no, actually spiritual maturity is and and looking more like Jesus isn't just how intense you are. Because for me, I almost got like aggressively intense, you know, almost legalistically intense. But it's it's more like the fruit of the spirit. You know, it's Hmm. like the the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is more love, you know, for others and, and for God, but also more joy and more peace and more kindness and gentleness. And and so it's like, it's the love, it's, it's growing in these, this kind of this scriptural call to compassion and gentleness and kindness in our culture that like loves to yell at each other on social media, you know, but then it's also the truth. So like the thought that I had was if we, if we don't walk in God's truth, like there's, there's also denominations that are like, Hey, we don't need to like follow all of the things that the Bible says. We kind of want to make our own way in this. And when we do that, though, when we move away from the truths of God's word, we're unplugging the power cord because there's power in God's word. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the truth that God gives us in his word. And so, like, we're disconnecting ourselves from the power, um, you know, and so we need the truth. But this, there's also such a, a 
massively strong scriptural call towards the love and the joy and the peace, right? So it's like, my thought was like, if we grow in the fruit of the spirit, if that's our aim, you know, and by the way, like it is stuff that God produces in us, but just like holiness, holiness, God produces in us too, but we also are called to work towards it. And so if we aim towards truth or excuse me, love and joy and peace as well as truth, if we aim towards those things, people are drunk. Like every, have you ever seen someone like that? Who's like just so loving, just biggest smile. They light up the room, you know, we're drawn towards those people. And when they're drawn towards that, then we can point them to the truth was my thought right. with this. So, yeah. so that's a, God just brought me on this journey of what spiritual maturity really looks like. It's not maybe the outward thing signs that we sometimes attribute it to, but it's more to look like Jesus and more like to grow in our love and our joy and our peace, you know, and yeah. by the way, starting at home with our families, which is the hardest place to like to really walk out in all the little things. But that's my heart's desire. God has just so wrecked my heart with this, this idea and I long for it. And I just think it's a game changer for all of us to say, how can I grow in those, in those ways? Because if we do, and we have both of those, oh my word, how God can continue to use our lives is just in a greater and greater way. Yeah. Right. No, I feel like we've been in a, in a, or culture, O-R, or, um, that, that you either have truth or you have love. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems to be like we're on dividing sides of that. Like in some of the, the cultural issues and political climates and even church issues we're seeing um, in denominations like you spoke of, yeah. these dividing lines is we're going to love these people. So that creates one division. Hmm. And then there's somebody on the other side going, but the truth is, and that creates another division. Um, and so this conversation you're bringing up, Matt, that really it's an and and not an or. Hmm. That, that it's so we can have truth yeah. and we can love people. And I think you're right on the money. Love is attractive. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you love somebody, that is, that is an attractional quality. And then you have the capacity to say, here's the truth. And the truth becomes attractive when it's attached to love. And I think a lot of times what we're seeing is truth being very unattractive because we're using it as a weapon and, and not as something that's caring and kind. Yeah. Um, so how do, we, how do we hold truth, um, scriptural truth, and love people as an, as an and, not an or? Yeah. Well, again, it's just, it's just having both of those things and knowing, you know, uh, knowing the, the right times and the places, you know, like, um, let me, let me start by saying this, that like, we're the first generation in history that has like this social media megaphone, what I would call like an online megaphone, mm -hmm. which means that when we're sharing stuff, like a lot of times it's our friends from back in middle school. It's our neighbors when we grew up, it's all these random people that we're friends with. And then we speak our truth, right? Whether it's political or it's, or it's biblical or it's whatever it is, we're speaking truths of what we think is right and stuff to this, this broad audience of everyone we've ever known. And, um, and so we, you know, we kind of have to be mindful of, of how we're coming across to people. Because a lot of times you'll meet someone who's super kind in person, but they just sound like kind of a jerk on online you know and so it's like who's gonna tell them <laughs> you know it's gonna be your, be your turn but but in, and it's something that we can all be we all have to be careful of but it's just it's just thinking how do i speak truth though like for instance like do i need to speak truth to every stranger i see who has something i disagree with on social media is that what it means to speak truth that's not what it means like we're not we don't need to walk alongside of every stranger and tell them what we think the truth is and so we have some complexities in this guys that we've never had before and and one other piece to that is we have the negative uh news media 
that is on a 24-hour cycle and we have the internet where we know everything bad that's going on in the world at any given moment. These are stuff that no other generations had and no other generation of Christians has ever had. So we have to navigate that by going, okay, how do I, how do I walk like Jesus? What would Jesus do is still a really good phrase. And how would he care and how would he talk to people? And it's not that you can't speak truth, but I think people need to see your love even when you're speaking truth. So if there's a way for people to catch, you have like a, a gentle, almost like fatherly or motherly heart when you're speaking truth that you care about people. And, and sometimes it's just not your place to speak the truth to every stranger, you know? So, so it's just kind of that, that, I mean, we could talk about it for hours, I'm sure, but there's all these complexities and it's like, okay, we got to carry it well. But that said, we want to continue to speak the truth because the truth is still life-changing, especially the truth of Jesus, by the way, not just like what we think is true politically or everything else, but the truth of Christ, which is that God loved us so much that he sent his only son in the world and he gave his life on a brutal, a brutal cross for broken and hopeless and weary sinners like you and me. That truth is the most life-changing truth that we can give to people, the gospel message and the rest of the truths of God's word. When we give those, it sets people free. It changes lives. And so we can give it with a smile you know, we can give it with love, we can give it with joy, we can give it pe- with peace and gentleness. And so it's kind of just this idea of, okay, I mean, you know, Second Peter talks about it too, just always do it with gentleness and respect. Always mm. do it with gentleness yeah. and respect. And I'll tell you, that will also be attractive. That will also draw people in our culture because that's just not what people are seeing. And honestly, guys, you can, we can only do this in the grace of God. Like God has to grace us to even do that, you know? So right. we need that to be from the spirit in us because it's not going to come from the flesh. I can tell you that much. I have a lot of opinions about different things that are going on, but I, I try to submit <laughs> those daily to Jesus Christ. I try to submit those daily to say, Lord, help me to make the priority your gospel though, because God forbid if we're a generation that's trumpeting everything that's wrong with culture, but not trumpeting the hope of the gospel which is for, yeah. it's, it's for a broken world. It's for a hopeless world. It's for a weary world. It's not for the people who are perfect or saints. It's for all of us who need something more that haven't, haven't been able to find it in ourselves. And so, and so that's kind of the tension, I think, there that we all need to walk. That's good. Yeah. I think uh, you kind of touched on it briefly, but um, as evidenced by, by the two hobos that are sitting right here, everyone has a a megaphone on social media or, you know, something digital, right? So we have access to these kinds of tools, these kinds of resources, and people say a lot of words. Some of them are really great. Some of them are sort of, eh, okay. Um, but, but we all have, can have a voice in some respect. So there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of crowding going on, especially in the, the digital market, the podcast world or whatever. Um, Number one, I think, I think you already are advocating to use yes. part of your story is using social media as a platform for good, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So we can kind of leapfrog that conversation, that concept into a more perhaps philosophical question, which you may have or may not have gotten some pushback on. And that is this question, is digital discipleship possible? Can we actually do digital discipleship? Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, for, to some degree, I mean, there's God still, you know, primarily uses the local church. Um, and so even our ministry, you know, it's great to have an evangelistic ministry and have a nonprofit. But like, you know, we, we do things from the local church for the local church and with the local church because 
that's just what God has called for. That's what he uses. That's right. what he set up. Mm-hmm. And God's always moving through local churches, even the small ones, because the vast majority of churches are like under 100 people. And God's using the pastors who have to be bivocational far more than any of them realize. You know, even in the midst of the struggles and the pain of yeah. local church ministry, God yeah. is moving through his church. And there's just a profound uh, power in the gathering of believers in the local church. And so, um, so, so that, yes, but there was a study done uh, by a foundation that um, did this, this very extensive study over the last few years that found that, you know, I think they said 20 million young people could come to faith in Christ or be like um, retained by the church. Um, if four things were done and one of them was like just more innovative, like online discipleship content, whatever uh, church planning was one of them, the uh, four or five things actually. And one of them that was weird was kind of surprised me. And the reason my friend told me about this in the first place was that the world needs more digital Billy Grahams. So mm. what they felt was there need to be like new people being raised up and, and, equipped to like just share Christ strategically in different ways online. I mean, we just, we have an opportunity. I mean, you can share Jesus. Like, I mean, just, just here, think about this for a second, guys, like what it would cost to go to somewhere in Asia and hold a crusade. Like, I mean, it's not going to be as expensive as the U S you know, uh, but, right. but it's going to be expensive. It's going to be intense. And, and you should probably still do those things, but you can reach people like digitally in a way that costs pennies. That's like, crazy like no other generation is fat i don't think the disciples would have fathomed you know what we have at our fingertips so it's kind of this holy like responsibility this holy like sacred opportunity um we need to learn to do it well but i I think we need to be excited let's have fun this is crazy so so yeah i would just say it complements the local church that that it's a piece and i mean a lot of people like things nowadays like if you go to the bank People don't wait in line for the tellers. Like they go to the ATM. People, people kind of like their <laughs> introvert of space, like especially the introverts, but everybody too. So we kind of like our digital worlds a little bit. And it's okay that that's one area that we're mentoring, discipling. You guys are doing it through your podcasts. You're doing it through your posts and eventually through all your books that you'll write, not just one and uh and so on prophesy so, that matt prophesy yeah, that we, we received we received we'll, we'll, we'll have to talk you're, later about books guys well you're on the money i will wait in line at the target to check myself out like i don't know why i do that <laughs> right and oh, i'm not yeah. even introverted like i like i, I don't mind talking to the girl yeah. but there's something about yeah. like the yeah, checking he's, myself he's out. definitely the extrovert of the two of us yeah, for sure. You know what's, you know what's cool bit. is those maybe, new maybe. checkout counters at Home Depot too. Um, they just oh, I've you not got seen the little those. beeper gun, and you yes, just kind of get to hold your own wand. Scan it's your amazing. stuff, and it's like it is awesome. Yes. You know? so, yeah, it's, it's like awesome. empowering. It feels exactly. awesome. Exactly. I'm in it, control here. I don't even have. <laughs> I don't think like Home it. Depot even has like checkout people anymore. I mean, they're there, but they don't. Every lane is yourself now. Wow. Yeah, and and it's kind of nice, right? You know, you're like. You guys trust me this much to check out by myself? Yeah. You know? So in a world of introverts, and there are some extroverts left in the world, but but really where we can almost um, create sort of online personas that are maybe not the persona we have, and, and you're advocating digital discipleship yeah. and digital outreach, and these digital Billy Grahams. Um, I have, Rob and I have kids that are early 20s and teens and in their teens. They're digital natives. They grew up with a device. Um, how do we equip young people, young adults to be digital Billy Grahams in a very tumultuous digital culture? 
Um, because because it, it's great to say you can share Jesus, but in a digital culture, it's going to come with some backlash and it's going to come at a cost. Um, it's going to be challenging. Um, how do we navigate sort of that, that really tumultuous digital culture raising up these digital Billy Grahams? Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I've gotten far more than my fair share of, you know, random haters and comments and, you know, so some of it's And let's Christians. be clear. I would be clear. Yeah. Haters on on social media is not the persecution the disciples face. Yeah, like right, I don't right. want it to ever equal yeah, yeah. that. But I'm saying it's it's, it's a true. challenging culture as yeah. it is to kind of say, yeah. I'm gonna be an evangelist online yeah. um in a in a very unsafe space sometimes. Yeah, totally. Well we need equipping for it. And you know, kinda like uh John Wesley would go preach and they'd they'd chuck a rotten tomato at him or whatever. That that was his persecution. I mean, it it is its own little emotional persecution, which I mean, honestly, I've, I've gotten tons of in its own way. Sometimes it's Christians that are, you know, theologically disagreeing with me that are just kind of rude about it. But then sometimes there's just eth weird atheist comments or whatever. And sometimes you just wonder if they're bots, to be honest, like trolls or bots. You know? you're, like, you're like, I think the same person's behind like all 10 of these. I don't know what's going on. So, I mean, I would just say like, I mean, just like, um, probably past generations just training and, and sharing your faith and having answers for people, having the apologetics background to be able to, to respond. I mean, I don't think, again, we need to respond to everybody. So, you know, you might just mute or block or do whatever you feel, think feels safe or whatever, but, um, and just knowing that some people are called to engage, you know, harder people than like, we're just called to just do our part, you know, whether it's, um, you know, whatever God's put on our heart to share the gospel and to reach people with, you know, we're not called to reach the whole world by ourselves. So there's, there's the a bunch yeah. of other believers who God's using in different people's lives. So we just do our part. Um, but I think we need equipping in it, you know? And so we're, we're trying to do some of that. Um, there's probably other materials and resources uh, just to say like, how do I grow in evangelism and sharing the gospel and apologetics, having the answers for people and just to responding to criticism, you know, and, and stuff like that. I have a friend who like, he'll, he loves, when people say all the hater stuff, you know, I, I love the block button to be honest. So, I mean, that's, yes. everybody's different. <laughs> everybody's different. Cause I'm like, if, if someone's not serious, if they're just trying to be rude, like I don't have time for that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So everyone's different, but I, I just think, um, you know, it's, it's probably just having the support, the supporting kind of encourager in, in your life, the mentor, the someone who can walk with you when you face challenges as they arise. And you guys do that all the time with, with young adults and with students. So. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, the podcast was started. We kind of asked two simple, basic questions. Um, why are young adults leaving church and will they come back? Hmm. I think for Jeff and I, again, and for you, we're all local church guys who love the local church and we want to see them thriving. Like it, it, it's heartbreaking for us to see, when pastors are struggling or, or whatever. And so uh, as you travel, as you kind of uh, in your circles lead events or crusades or whatever it is, you know, that, that you do, what are you seeing? I mean, are you seeing the answers to those questions any clearer than, than maybe you did a few years ago? Yeah. Well, I've, I've had a kind of a burden as well for the reasons why, you know, young people, uh, and, you know, do that. And, and in some cases I have friends that are 
that have exhibited a great passion for the Lord or great love for God, but they just have disconnected from the church for one reason or another. And, right. you know, they're trying to live out their passion without really a connection there. And so I would just say, I mean, we obviously our generation needs to know the priority and the importance of why God has set the local church the way it is. Um, and they also need to see that love and joy and peace, you know, that graciousness um, from believers. I think the more we grow in graciousness, the more people are going to be drawn to our churches uh, into us. And so um, it's just kind of, kind of exhibiting Christ likeness to the next generation is going to be a big part, I think, of drawing people back. Um, but, uh, you know, revival too, you know, just God moving in yeah. significant ways will draw people back. And so there's any number of reasons why people are, are disengaging and whatever, but, um, and then there's a, there's a strong pull of culture obviously as well. And so I think it's just, um, just trying to walk out just really a deep faith, gracious, um, and passionate about the kingdom and, live that out in front of people around us. I mean, I, I just, again, I see a lot of the good too. So like I see all of these young people all over the country that I'm constantly connecting with and hearing their stories. They're just rock stars for the Lord. You know, they're just, they're on fire. They're excited. I mean, you guys obviously saw some of that when you went to passion conference, you see all it just, yeah, right. it's cool to see. 60, it's cool to see some of that. It's encouraging. Yeah. And yeah. 65,000 of them. So yeah, it's pretty, I mean, there's like, crazy. I mean, it's like, and I, and I think I shared this on, we shared this on our socials, but um, it was one of those moments that, that we've been asking these questions and we look out and see 60,000 young adults and we go, you know, it's not as bad off as we thought maybe. <laughs> like, right, yeah, right. We might be okay. Yeah, we might be doing we all right. We might be all right. Um, yeah. Amen. Yeah, and, so there's, think, there's challenges. There definitely is challenges and those are, those are legitimate, but there's also really good stuff going on. And, and stuff can change in a moment too, I think, as God continues to answer our prayers and to move. And so... Go ahead. Hello, Kanye. Right? Okay. Yeah, that I mean, crazy, that's a good right? question. Are we are we on the edge of a revival? I mean, like, I believe like we, we can have the Kanye discussion, and we can talk about Justin Bieber, and we can talk about the celebrity church yeah. culture that's rising. Yeah. But but you're saying 152,000 people on your website came click through in the Do you want to know Christ? Are we are we on the edge of of another revival, Matt? I believe we are. Yeah, I mean, especially from the fast thing I saw, but. You know, Kanye's stuff has blown me away too. Um, this last fall, when I when the album came out, I listened to it for like a weekend straight, and I've been, I haven't listened to any of his past stuff. So like, I I was just kind of like curious, and I'm like, I loved it. It's it was stirring my faith, and I was like, what is going on? So I did a post around that time. I was like, hey, I'm enjoying this. I didn't hashtag it. I didn't ask anyone to retweet it. I didn't tag him anything, and it went viral. Like two and a half million people heard the gospel from this one tweet which has only happened to me. That was yeah. only the second time that's ever happened to me. I was like, what is going on? And all weekend, as I'm listening, I'm seeing all these responses and some were negative, but there were so many positive. Um, right. And I probably yeah. heard from like probably over a thousand people that were just either quoting the tweet or replying to my tweet and saying their thoughts and like, wow, this is crazy. But it was just this little clip of him on Apple Music saying how, you know, he was a slave to sin and now he's been set free by Jesus. So, you know, it was basically like a little clip of him sharing the right. gospel and i was like what is going on so I've, I've talked to a few friends now that we're all just kind of like wow we're really stirred by what's going on with that and um you know it's not about god doesn't need a celebrity to get saved let me add that and he, he has done that Truth. through history and even american history you know maybe the stories you've heard recently of of some books that have come out of johnny cash coming to christ and when steve right. mm -hmm. and sometimes god uses those guys in bigger ways keith green back in the day he came to the lord 
you know, from his rock star kind of hippie background and God used him all over the country. And that's kind of similar to what's happening right now with Kanye because Kanye's right. kind of doing something similar. He's having these free events at college campuses at, with young adults and he's preaching the gospel at them or he's having pastors preach the gospel. So it's very mm -hmm. interesting. But yes, God doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need any celebrity. He can do more without a celebrity. It's not about that. But he, he, shows, he showcases his grace. You better believe it through people that, like the Apostle Paul or, or others that we would never think uh, to show his glory through all of that. And so I, I just believe, yes, God's moving. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. So I think there's, I think there we're I think we're on the, the, the beginning of some really powerful new things God's going to do in this new decade. I truly believe that. And um, I mean, passion's a great example that they've been gathering, but there's other things. And I just think, I would just say to each person listening, that God wants to use you, that God wants to take you deeper, that he wants to, he wants to, uh, give you clarity and guidance on his purpose for your life to be a part of his kingdom work. And, um, and man, let's not get down on the church or down on, on young adults. Let's not give up on them. Cause I, I, think, yeah. I just think we're about to see some cool <laughs> stuff. Guys, so. Amen. And, and I think we can come full circle with the conversation, Matt. And we started sort of in this fasting and prayer vein. And I think if we're going to ready ourselves for revival as individuals and as the church, that's the catalyst. That's, that's the starting point, like fasting and prayer. Let's, let's prepare our hearts for what God is going to do yes. so that I think we're ready to be a part of that. Um, I know that's, that's my cry. And I know the conversations Rob and I've had, that's where we sit and we're at this place of, of going, God, we're ready for what you want to do. And so whatever preparations we got to make for that move or that revival or that, that breaking out, whether it's on this college campus or another college campus or at local churches, or, or any, any place God chooses, yeah. we want to be ready for that. And I think prayer and fasting is a, is a critical component to that. Yeah, I agree. Well, bro, we've got time for one last question. Yeah. And uh, it's a question we ask all of our guests on the show. And uh, it's this, uh, what is one lesson that you learned in college outside of the classroom? Hmm. That's good. Well, I'll bring it full circle again too. Um, you know, one of the most transformative things I experienced in college, and I had grown up again in the church uh, with with a family that loved the Lord, uh, but I really learned to pray in college. What it meant to meant to have like a deeper prayer walk, prayer life, and and it was outside of classes that I just I don't even remember who recommended it to me, but I began to read a few prayer books. I read a, a few of these books. If you want to recommend you. You check them out if you haven't. Uh, Power Through Prayer by E.M. Bounds. Mm -hmm. uh, the Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Revival Praying by Leonard Ravenhill. And No Easy Road by Dick Eastman. I happened to read those four books during my first semester in college. And it truly changed the course of my life, but also changed the, the course of my college experience. Um, so again, it was just kind of interesting. Yeah, I just... Um, I just got more of a hunger to pray than even, I think looking back, I wish I would have done a little more extracurricular fun stuff, you know, cause I just got so serious so quick because I was like yeah. really impacted by it. But I just, I would just say, yeah, that was just one of those things. And, um, you know, I, I've maintained that hunger to grow and learn um, beyond college even. Um, and, and still to this day, I'm just every day, I'm just like always like my book list that I can't keep up with, you know, I always have more that I want to learn and grow in. And so, you know, college was a big part of that for me, my Bible college that I went to. So yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah, great. Well, we referenced it, but let's, let's give it a shout out. The book is Truth Plus Love, a great read, a really um, quick read. I enjoyed it. Um, where can people find the book, Matt? Yep, you can get it at truthplusslovebook.com or Amazon, or Barnes & Noble, or wherever you like to buy books. And um, it was such a privilege to do that book with Zondervan and HarperCollins. Good people. We, we love our, our girls at Zondervan always yes, take care do. of us, Trinity and Robin. We never shout them out, but Trinity, Rob, Trinity and Robin at Zondervan take care of us. We love, we love so, our Zondervan peeps. Yeah, so yeah. how can they stay connected directly to you, Matt? Yeah, well, as you mentioned earlier, Evangelist Matt, um, you know, Matt, my, Matt Brown is such a common name that I could never get those handles, but no one ever wants Evangelist Matt, so I always get it. Any <laughs> new social media that pops up. And um, so I'm on there. And then thinky.org, which is for Think Eternity. Uh, we have uh, multiple articles and devotionals every week and new podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And we just love to continue to encourage your faith through all of it. Awesome. That. Awesome. Well, man, as we always like to say here at the Collectives Co. podcast, you've got a seat at the table. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate you so much. We're praying for you and uh, keep up the good work. But uh, God bless, bro. Thank thanks, you for being the Collectives. Thanks so much, guys. It's an honor. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collectives Co. podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders? Yeah.